Last time, we learned that our job in this life is to get ourselves and the people around us ready for Judgment Day. But how are you supposed to do that? You can't force someone else to have faith in God. Well, it's true, you can't force faith, but you can grow it like a seed in a garden if you use the right tools. Today, we'll discover what those tools are. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Maybe God gave you administrative skills so that you can organize things and develop a system so that all of this ministry becomes more efficient and effective. Maybe you're a, an encourager. That's your role. Your, your main thing is you just keep the saints around you from getting discouraged and giving up along the way so that they keep going and finish the race uh, so that they're ready on Judgment Day. We all have different roles. But it, all those different roles are for one purpose. Prepare one another for that day. Okay? So, how is that done? That's the purpose. Now we know the purpose. Let's move to the second thing. How do we get it done? What tool do we use to make that happen? What, what power is going to enable us to make people pure and blameless? Like that's be all over my head, right? That's over my pay grade to make you pure and blameless. I don't have the power to, to just reach into your heart and purify it. What, what tool can I use that will have the power to get it done? Look at verse, look at verse 16. Verse 15 is the goal. You may become pure and blameless, children of God, without fault, crooked and brave generation, which you shine like stars in the universe. Verse 16, here's how it happens. As you hold firmly to the word of God, or the word that gives life. That's it. He says the word of life. That means the word that gives life. So, so the purpose of ministry is to prepare people for judgment day. The power of ministry, the tool that will get it done, is the word. The word of life. That's what will make it happen. You can't just talk people into being pure and blameless. You're not going to be, you can't get people to behave like children of God uh, by coming up with clever psychological techniques or motivational speeches or self-help tips or whatever, any of that. You cannot do this through human means. You won't be able to do it. You won't have the power. There's one thing and one thing only that can, it has the power to make that happen and that is the word of life. The word that gives life. See, because in order for people to be pure and blameless, they're going to need life. If they're going to act like children of God, they're going to need life from God. They're going to need supernatural, spiritual life. And that only comes from the word of life, the word that gives life. There's no other way to get it. There's no other way to get it except for this book. That's it. This is our tool. This is what we use. That's why our slogan, when we talk about how we get ministry done around here, we use the slogan, uh, applying the word of God to the hearts of men. Right? That's what that slogan means. Where everything we do is for the purpose of getting this into hearts. Getting this into hearts. Applying the word of God to the hearts of men. But, now here's the thing, and this might surprise you to hear me say this. If we just give people the word of God, that might not be enough. If we just give people the word of God and they receive it and accept it, absorb it and believe it, that might not be enough. That's not going to be enough. They still might not be ready when judgment day comes. So how is that? Jesus explained why that is in a parable called the parable of the soils. Um, 
he said he, he tells a story about a farmer that that sows seed, just throws it all over, and it lands in four different kinds of soil: uh, the 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 hard rocky, or the hard path, and then the rocky soil, and the weedy soil, and then the good soil. And then he explained the meaning of the parable, and here's what he said. He said, the seed is the word of God. So we're just putting the word of God out there. We're applying the word of God to the hearts of men. Uh, some people are like the hard path. Their heart is just hard. It doesn't even penetrate. It's, they, they, they don't understand the gospel, and so it's in one ear and out the other. They never believe. That's the path. Then you got the at the end, the good soil, and that's the soil. They receive it, and they believe it, and then they keep believing it all the way to the end, and, and they bear fruit. <clears throat> but then there's those two other kinds of soil. And Jesus told us about them. These two other kind are a problem because they hear the word and they accept it and they receive it and they believe it. But it doesn't do them any good on Judgment Day because they don't hang on to it. They don't hang on to it. The rocky soil people, it says they hear the word, they receive it with joy, they believe for a while, but but only up until they run into suffering. <laughs> and then... Uh, Mark 4:17 when trouble or per- persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away they don't last they receive it they don't hold on to it when the storm hits they can't hold on that's one kind another kind of person that fails to hold is in the next verse uh, the the weedy soil others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So <clears throat> one group doesn't last because of trouble and hardship and the storms of life. This other group doesn't last because they just get enticed by money or they get distracted with worries and anxieties of life and all these troubles. And, so, and they just they just, they just let go of their grip on the word. If we apply the word of God to the hearts of men and women, it's not going to do them any good on Judgment Day if they end up being like the rocky soil or the weedy soil and they, they, they don't hold on. And so Paul says, look back to verse 16. He says, I want you to become blameless and pure children of God. Verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life, as you hold it, hold on. Now, I know the NIV says hold out uh, like like you're offering it to people. And that's um, that's. It's a possible meaning, but it's not the normal meaning of this word. I think the other translations are right to just stick with the normal meaning of this word, which is to hold fast. And that fits the context. In fact, if, if you look up that word to hold all the other times it's used in the New Testament, you're going to find it means basically two, two possible things. One, it's a lot of times it's to hold your gaze, like Fix your attention on something. You do not look away. You don't look left or right. You just keep looking at that thing and you don't get distracted from it. That's one. The other time is just to hold your position. Just stand. Stay. Stay in this spot. So, so, so that gives you an idea of what this word means. That's what we have to do with the word. We can't just give the word to people. We have to give them the word and then we've got to find a way to help those people hold it. Hold. Stay on their ground. Keep their attention on it. Keep their gaze fixed on it. Keep their heart Fasten to it. Um, that's the only way that they're going to actually be ready for Judgment Day when that day happens. Every one of us needs that. We all need help holding on. We can't do it on our own. It's not easy holding on. It's not. This, there's too many things. The, the, sometimes um, you're going to open up the Bible and it's just going to be dry. 
just print on a page, words, it's not speaking to you, it's not doing anything. Other times you're going to read it, it's not going to make sense. Like, what does this even mean? I don't understand this. Other times you're going to read something, it's like, that just seems flat out wrong. It's all these, and this is because of the influences that are around us that push us in that direction. They try to push us away from the word. And there's a lot of them. This crooked, depraved, dark generation that we live in is like a hurricane of forces pushing us away from the word. Trying to get us away from it. All kinds of influences. All our entertainment, right? The world's entertainment, all of it does that. Movies, all these exciting movies and amazing games and novels and concerts and everything else. All the world's entertainment is, is filled with ideas and attitudes and perspectives on the world that make God seem unattractive and unreal and make sin seem beautiful and enticing, right? And those perspectives and those attitudes slam into us like a hurricane force wind, shoving us away from the word without us even realizing. To us, it feels like a gentle breeze. We're like, oh, I can handle this. I'll stand from And it's, the next thing you know, it's pushing us way off course. So entertainment is just one example. There's other, another force that threatens to carry us away from the word. Religious arguments, right, from other religions. Atheists are getting up, and they're making all their arguments, so there's no God, and then agnostics are coming up, like, oh, there's no way we can know, and everything. And, and, they're, and the evolutionists, they dominate the education system, and they got all their complex arguments, and they're going on and on. And it would be a full-time job just to keep track of all the arguments, much less answer all of them. And so you end up with doubts swirling around inside your heart, and next thing you know, you... You, you lose your grip on believing the truth in the word. Some other forces in this evil hurricane are that are against you is your own flesh. Right? Our own flesh sabotages us. And my own flesh is panting after all these little pleasures of the world that Jesus warned us against that would pull us away from the word of life. And then on top of that, you got Satan and demons who are tempting you and enticing you uh, to to try to deceive you into doubting God's word, neglecting the word of life. There's an evil hurricane blowing in this culture, and, and our only hope is to hold on, to hold fast to the word that gives life. But we can't. We can't. With the, cur- the hurricane's too strong. I don't have the grip strength to hang on. No matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be able to hold fast and hang on to this word without your help. None of us can. Which is why God called every single Christian into ministry. And the purpose of all that ministry, the purpose of all your spiritual gifts, the reason why the Holy Spirit gave you those spiritual gifts, is to help one another hold fast to the only source of spiritual life. Without help from each other, our hearts will turn away into unbelief. Not maybe. They will. That's Hebrews 3.12 says that. It says, see to it, brothers, brothers, believers, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence that we had at first. 
We've got to hold. How are we going to hold? Encourage one another daily. We need each other's help. This is what ministry is for. Because the word is the only thing that has the power to keep us going. This issue of perseverance is a matter of eternal life and death. It's so important. The Bible really does tie salvation to whether you persevere to the end. I don't know if we take this doctrine seriously enough. Matthew twenty four thirteen, He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Luke twenty one nineteen, By standing firm you will gain life. 1 Corinthians 15, 2, By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Romans eleven twenty two. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also will be cut off. 2 Timothy two twelve. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And the Bible is very clear about the consequences of failing to persevere. John fifteen six, If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Second Peter 2.20 says, If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Hebrews 6, 4, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. It's impossible. Hebrews ten twenty six. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Revelation 22.19, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. In Matthew 18, Jesus told a parable of a man who was completely forgiven his entire debt, and then when he was unmerciful, that debt was reinstated. Ezekiel 33 warns that if God tells a righteous man that he will surely live, but then that man turns away, none of his former righteousness will be remembered. Now, people have various ways of interpreting all these passages to fit their theological systems, but there are so many of them. I didn't even read them all. And the warnings are so strong, it would be a huge mistake to ignore them. We need to take these passages seriously. And we need to remember that a big part of whether your brother or sister in Christ perseveres to the end depends on whether you encourage them. Hebrews 3.12 See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Father, I would fall away before the end of the day today if not for your preserving love. Thank you for keeping my faith intact all these years, working in me to will and to act according to your purpose, protecting me from assaults by the enemy that would be too much for me, holding back trials that you know would destroy my faith, 
holding the enemy at bay. Thank you for preserving me, Lord. I love your preserving grace, but I don't want to take it for granted or presume upon it. You've promised that grace, but you've also warned me not to miss that grace and to see to it that I keep myself in your love. Help me not only do that, but also to encourage my family and friends in ways that enable them to remain in your love. I've taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. I hate double-minded men, but I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I've put my hope in your word. Away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commands of my God. Sustain me according to your promise. Lord, and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Uphold me, and I will be delivered. I will also have regard for your decrees. You reject all who stray from your decrees, for their deceitfulness is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your statutes. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe of your laws. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.